Welcome to the show is Conspiracy Say What? The show where we ask the question, what? I'm Cameron. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm Allie. <laughs> I'm Chelsea. But today's question of what has to do with the Loch Ness Monster. Yes. Yay! And last time we were with Chelsea, I think we called her Chelsea Serpent, and now it's her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm back. It's a throwback. Yeah, so Loch Ness Monster. I'm sure, like, probably 90% of the population knows who this or what this is. <laughs> who this is? No, we don't. <laughs> oh, I guess not. Tell us who she is, because Nessie is a she. I am convinced. Yes. yes. Also known as Nessie, obviously. Yep. Giant sea monster that lives in a lake in Scotland. And may or may not be part of the folklore since 565 AD. When it was so first recorded. Like, over a thousand years yeah but it's hard to say where this came from i guess it's kind of fair to assume that there could be a a giant lake monster in this lake because it is 23 miles long and 755 feet deep at its deepest point so i mean a giant dinosaur monster or something could fit in there theoretically (laughs) we'll give them that yeah and visibility is very low in the lake because there is a lot of peat in there not so many franks uh more of a peat kind of lake it's murky it's mucky this mucky, is muck. mucky yeah i was thrown off for a minute because my brain was thinking murky not mucky <laughs> but hey i told you i was tired <laughs> it still uh, works it still makes sense <laughs> yeah anyway so it's hard to see in the lake like this is not your tahoe or anything like that if you've been to a clear lake it's just dirt it's just a lot of dirt and clay and like every piece of video footage that i've looked at for this thing is just dirt it's just clouds of dirt everywhere and then like they move the rover a little bit and you just get can't yeah, see for but three it's hours like perfect scenario for a cryptid story obviously because it's like it's really hard to see in here so we can make up anything we want yeah yeah and actually this is a pretty toned down cryptid considering the area's folklore honestly <laughs> i mean we've talked about all kinds of things from scotland this definitely is not the top of the like weirdest thing that's out there Anyway, it's a possibility for the thing that everyone's seen, at least the most popular one, is that it is a plesiosaur. Very polite, always asking, saying please. No, thank you. No, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, it seems like it started for us in terms of modern times about 1933, and it possibly started in 565 AD. 565 AD is the first time we kind of see this written down. Um, This seems to be a common theme where we only take into account things that are written down in this story. So you can kind of start here. It's sort of unclear whether or not the Loch Ness Monster story is uh, oral tradition or not. But there's local stone carvings um, by Pict, wherever that is. I didn't look it up, actually. Uh, The Picts are a... Uh, ancient people who lived in Scotland. Apparently, they lived there for a very, very long time. Okay. Because they were still around in 565 AD. But so. these, these stone carvings describe a mysterious sea beast with flippers. And this is just when they found it, right? I would I would say that the carvings probably okay. date back further than that. But mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. They the, the Picts didn't go away until about 900 AD. So they were an ancient people that survived for quite a while. 
weren't they like very tattooed or into body painting or something yes they My, have. i mean like every depiction that i've seen shows that they like, apparently had people killed by this large water beast so it must have been their friend yes yeah they were throwing they were having a funeral for their friend when columba came upon them so sorry columbo the detective not columbo <laughs> the detective but columba yeah saint columba the columba came across a funeral for one of the picked warriors yes and then this monster bit a swimmer and was about to attack another person when the saint columba or priest Columbo's cam said intervened and ordered the beast to go back in the name of God. Yes. Because Nessie is apparently a devout Catholic. I do want to make this clear. Not about the Catholic thing. Uh, that is a joke. <laughs> if you didn't get it, uh, but I do want to make it clear. It didn't happen at the funeral. Uh, it did happen later. Okay. Uh, I was confused. Yeah. Cause I'm like, no. Why is there swimming at a funeral? Listen, I have a lot if, of questions. If he was at a funeral on the shore of Loch Ness and then the monster just came out of the, the water and started attacking people. That's impressive. No. So he heard about it from the funeral. They were then a bit on edge. It sounds like based on the writings, which were not written by him, by the way. Uh, but, or at least from what people say, they were not actually written by him, but he then was on edge. They had someone swimming out to go get a boat and that person got attacked the thing lurched up it's like the only case i've ever heard of nessie roaring but apparently it was just roaring anyway the, he evoked the name of god and nessie left weird story not the first time either we will talk about nessie being something that is affected by spiritual things yeah what i'm taking from this is that nessie basically treated columba like like door-to-door jehovah's witness <laughs> where she was just like no <laughs> no thank you and swam away it was like can't follow me in here nope try breathing underwater bitches and and this is important too uh this took place at the riverness not the lock which is just outside the lock it's pretty much the same thing uh anyway so the first sighting that we ever have recorded at least happened in the river not in the actual lock itself and then that kind of goes for a few other sightings as well, where it happens around the lake rather than all happening in the lake. Yeah. So basically there's a huge gap between this 565 AD sighting and then 1933. Um, but I did find a couple yeah. of things in between, oh, okay. um, but they're kind of hard to like, you know, as things are with cryptid stories, it's hard to actually tell if they're real or made up by the people in the 30s. So there's supposedly one in 1871 where somebody named D. Mackenzie of Balnain saw an object that looked like a log or maybe an upturned boat that was, quote, wriggling and churning up the water, <laughs> moving slowly at first, and then disappeared going at a faster speed. I, I like the term wriggling. It makes I me know. think like shimmying. It's churning up just the like water. Shimmying. We will circle back to this and why this is now very uncomfortable. <laughs> We're just going to put a pin here. Just okay. Um, but the problem with this one is this sighting was not actually published until 1934, which is when the Nazi sightings were blowing up. And then there's another one that I found from 1888 from a guy named Alexander McDonald, who claimed he saw a large stubby legged animal swimming about 50 yards away and then he told the water bailiff that it looked like a salamander. And if that's not adorable, I don't know what else is. A giant salamander. Yeah. 
A giant salamander <laughs> just swimming in the cold lake. Sounds like a do. Pokemon. Right? Yeah. Like giant salamander stubby legs. Like, great. I'm here for it. <laughs> Bring on. Also, call me crazy, but a large stubby like animal sounds a bit like an otter. I don't know why this guy just immediately moved. Like, Mm -mm. neither are salamanders, pretty typically. (laughs) It looks like a salamander. It sounds like a hippo. I would. (laughs) It sounds like an. What hippo is salamander shaped? Very few, but. (laughs) Almost zero. (laughs) (laughs) But alligators and crocodiles, gecko shaped, salamander shaped, lizard shaped. Stubby little legs. Thanks for that image of a crocodile swimming. <laughs> I need to export the video. <laughs> I just want to say that a, that an otter swimming through the water could easily look like a salamander because its fur just all goes back into its body. So it becomes very smooth. Anyway, we'll, that <laughs> we'll talk about it. Let's, Let's jump to 1933 when things actually This is out. when everything is important and matters here at the lake. In 1933, this is when everything blew up, but it starts... It starts with Aldi McKay, okay, uh, and her husband. <laughs> they saw a very large animal uh, that they compared to a dragon or prehistoric monster. Every article I read said that he did it because men in the 1930s, the only ones who talked, apparently. Uh, See, this is why I put Aldi I know McKay that's why you and put her it. husband. Oh, I know. Just discredit him entirely. <laughs> His name was George Spicer. They were driving down the road of Loch Ness and they saw a creature that was like a dragon or a prehistoric monster about 50 yards away in the headlights of a 1930s car whatever that means I don't know if that's like equivalent to like a mini flashlight you keep on your keychain today or what but I can't imagine it's good but anyway they said that it had ungainly flippers on it and that it crossed the road and then went into the lock. By the time they drove up to the spot, it was completely gone. No trace of it, right? Okay, I'd like to point out that anything that has flippers on land is going to be ungainly. Like, they're just being rude at this point. Like, it had flippers, it was on land. Stop calling it a monster. Just let it do its thing. There was an article released uh, titled Strange Spectacle in Loch Ness. And here's a little piece of it I found. So the article says, the creature disported itself, rolling and plunging for fully a minute, its body resembling that of a whale, and the water cascading and churning like a simmering cauldron. Soon, however, it disappeared in a boiling mass of foam. Both onlookers confessed that there was something uncanny about the whole thing, for they realized there was that here was no ordinary denizen of the depths. Because apart from its enormous size, the beast, in taking the final plunge, sent out waves that were big enough to have been caused by a passing steamer. I have a question. What? Why did it take a full minute for a car to get 150 feet up the road? 1930s car. Were they really that slow, though? Like, were they going uphill? I feel like you could accidentally go 150 feet faster. I just (laughs) I don't think you'd have to hit the gas is what I'm saying. Like your car would just roll that fast. I just want to say, Cam, thanks for the hot. I'm just talking about witnesses. (laughs) We've talked about witnesses on the show. They are always bad. So speaking of eyewitnesses that are bad, this George Spicer guy, the courier published his account separately and he felt the need to make it a handwritten letter. And nothing says credible witness like a handwritten letter. And it was so outlandish that the editor felt the need to say that the couple probably saw a large otter. 
and that there was no proof. So well, there's no proof thanks, for the otter guys. either. So really, I mean, at this point, we've got the editor saying it was a large otter, but he wasn't there. We have the couple saying that it was like a large dragon-like creature, but it also took them apparently a full minute to go 150 feet up the road. So I don't really know who to trust. That's what you're hanging on point. to. Because well, and then George Spicer's sending in fucking cryptid manifestos to this local paper and the editors are like, oh, but it was interesting. This is fun. Just post it. I hope when he sent that in, he like cut all the letters out from like a local newspaper and just pasted <laughs> no, them on. It was handwritten. So he cut up his journals and used those letters. That, that's good. That's okay, good. Real <laughs> for real. <laughs> Oh man! Handwriting anyway, analysis. This <laughs> go on. This becomes a huge spectacle. Uh, there is who this person comes into play. Bertram Mills. For anyone who doesn't know Bertram Mills, that's because you weren't born in the 1930s. Uh, he was a famous circus owner. He sounds he, like he's a famous circus owner. Yeah, he owned the famous Mills Circus. Ah, uh, yes. After his name. Ah, uh, yes, the Mills, Mills circus. circus. Yep. Uh. It was. It was famous. It was the Mills Corporation. Anyway, he had a huge circus really big. He was so fascinated by the monster that he had to have it for his circus. He offered 20,000 pounds at the time, which is roughly about 2 million US dollars today uh, for the capture of the Loch Ness Monster. At first I was like, man, that is a lot of money. However, if you told me right now, I'll give you $2 million to go pluck a dragon out of the ocean with your bare hands, I'm not, that's, <laughs> how are you supposed to catch that? How are you, you For would $2 million, a, you find a fucking way. For $2 million, I feel like you need more money than that. Honestly, that's a big. Half up front. I don't think you could capture a giant squid for $2 million, let alone a dragon creature. Okay, so in my mind, uh, <laughs> so like dragons are usually pretty intelligent in mythology. So assuming that Nessie is part of this larger like dragon family mm -hmm. like she can probably be bargained with she can probably you know like make friends build relationships so so yeah in theory if you were to go and like you know share a couple of picnics with nessie and be all like hey you know like make an appearance for me you know that two million it'll cover a lot of those little like cheese and crackers that you like that's plausible yeah. so bargain with the dragon that's the bargain thing. with the dragon i'm so glad we thought of that now <laughs> and not back then when we when we really needed it anyway obviously this didn't happen uh so bertram improvised for his circus show i have this picture in the outline put it in the newsletter it's a lovely picture of his model that he had built for the circus to show everyone what the Loch Ness Monster could look like. Uh, it looks hilarious. I love it. It's absolutely adorable, but also the goofiest thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's made goofier <laughs> by all the men in raincoats standing around it. I just want to put googly eyes on it. I hope this is what the Trojan horse looked like. This is, that's, that's what I really hope. <laughs> like, you've seen a horse before, right? Yeah, totally. Why the fuck are there flippers on it? Okay. But what Mills did create was a frenzy at Villoc, as if there wasn't already with the idea that there was a monster there, uh, because the hunting got a little bit crazy. Everyone was mm. just pining to find this monster, that's get to crazy. it. So people wrote to the local government asking Parliament to please protect the monster of the lock. While they said they couldn't necessarily protect Nessie because there's no proof it exists, and that proof is on the civilian's shoulders, they did say that we will pass a law, which they did, uh, that prohibits the removal of any unidentified animals, including Nessie, from the lock. You are not allowed to do it without express permission from the government. So it's immediately with the birth of Nessie came a protection for Nessie. That's fast. 
that's very fast. Good. Nessie so, wins. Yeah. Isn't that law still on the books? It is. Yeah. You're still not allowed yeah. to remove Nessie. No. And actually it will see later in the seventies, it causes like a whole issue. That same law was still in effect and it causes a huge issue. Stay tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned. Anyway. Next we meet Hugh Gray. Uh, who took a photo while out on a stroll because you only stroll by locks, do not walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and he claimed it was Nessie. And it, but it was just her little delicate little fin splashing against the water. Just you could say that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. I've seen more more intricate like noodle art on fridges. So what I will say though is like looks like a plane crashing into the lake. One thing we talk about all the time on the show is potato camera photos, but these photos are all from like the thirties and they're not really potato camera photos. Like how come people were able to get these walking? Like granted, this is not a good thing. It looks like it's a bird that just went face first into the water, <laughs> but it's better than some of the photos I see of things now. Or like a boat. What they So what they did say briefly uh, is some people say that it is actually his dog throwing around like a large stick in the water. And that's why it's so blurry because it's moving so fast. He was known to always go on a walk with his dog. He claims his dog was not with him, which is a little suspicious. A little suspicious. It's a lot of suspicious. Yeah. What it looks like to me is he picked up a stingray and just chucked it on top of the water. Oh, it does look like a stingray. Yeah. But he claims it's a fin. He claims it's a fin. We'll never know because there's no proof of what this is and no one ever owned up to it. So for now, it's just a blurry object on the top of the water. That's all it is. But then because of this photo, we get even more frenzying and we get frenzying from the most famous, infamous tabloid that has existed for way too long. The Daily Mail Uh, still running today. I often pull information from it for this podcast because you have to post so much great. Oh, I love the daily mail. I honestly do. Yeah. Them and their 55 (laughs) ads per page. Wonderful. Well, them and the sun. Oh yeah. The sun is worse. (laughs) It's yeah. I mean, the ad blocker can't even get all of them. There's so many ads on there, but the daily mail wanted proof. They were like, if there is a monster in these waters, we want to see it. So they hired a big game hunter named Marmaduke Weatherall. So this Marmaduke guy did find proof. So there were giant four-toed footprints that were found at the edge of the lake, which was the first like solid hard evidence proof, apparently. Uh, They took casts of the prints and they sent them to the Natural History Museum in London and everything. And then the museum looked them over and was like, hey, guys. This is a hippo foot. And uh, it was probably made with an ashtray or like an umbrella holder or just a stuffed hippo foot. You know, any of the above. Which is actually what the museum reported at the time. Yeah. Even they reported it at the time. Yeah. That's probably what it was from. Yeah. I love the It's like a, an ashtray. That's my favorite one. Yeah. And then so this Marmaduke guy was then subsequently attacked by the Daily Mail and then ridiculed for the rest of his life. Yeah. And a big part of this, one of my favorite parts is he had actually planned. We found out later he had planned to bring this hippo foot with him the entire time because he needed a backup just in case he couldn't find anything. And then he got to the lake and he was pretty much just overwhelmed with the giant size of the lake. It's huge. I mean, <laughs> twenty-three miles. he wasn't long. ready. And uh, him being attacked by the Daily Mail, it hurt in a lot of ways. So the Daily Mail, when they first found the footprint, they published that they found it. They were like, we found proof. We have it. We have all the evidence we need, right? Then it comes back as not real. 
They get ridiculed. They ridicule him. He was a very popular person. He was also an actor and a director, apparently, at the time. So he was also very popular. Yeah, apparently there was a frenzy with him even showing up to the lock in the first place because people were like, oh, my God, fangirls falling over. I don't know, I guess. So he had planned to lie from the beginning. And then he was like, well, I guess I'm happy I brought this because he was not ready to investigate that huge lake. Why the fuck would you use hippo feet yeah why like, don't you just make something up it, literally none of the sightings have been like i saw it had feet it was all like monstrous awkward flippered animal yeah yeah At he the, could have like literally used anything he really probably could have fucked with them if nothing else if he had just flipped it backwards and just drug it across the shoreline like at least just make it look like something but something with flippers yeah exactly yep I don't know what he was thinking. I guess he wasn't. We'll circle back around to him, though. That's not the end of him. (laughs) Oh, no. So this madness continues into 1934. And in January, Arthur Grant, who's just a a guy, he claims to have nearly hit Nessie with his motorcycle around 1 a.m. And he claims that, you know, this adds credibility because apparently he was a veterinarian. And he claims that it was a cross between a seal and a plesiosaur. I didn't know that veterinarians were experts in dinosaurs. I would also like to just say that the cross between a seal and a plesiosaur is a sea lion. I, I'm going to stand by this. That's what That's it fair. looks like. I feel like this is, he ran over an otter and couldn't identify it anymore. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and we're back to meat smoothies. Listen, I want... What I don't understand is he doesn't he doesn't fully tell us what happened because he says he hit it. Right. No, he nearly hit it. He nearly. okay. so he he got back in the water. He didn't see anything. He apparently saw it. And then allegedly, allegedly. Also, if it's like the cross between like a like a seal and a plesiosaur, isn't it just like worming its way across the land (laughs) trying to get back to the water Uh, again? No footprints, just a lot of like flopping and flippering. And no yeah. sound though. Like again, it doesn't roar or anything like that. Like there's no squeaking, which would be adorable. Like there's nothing. I don't <laughs> like otters. <laughs> also, this Grant dude, like he's riding a motorcycle around 1 a.m. around That's a cool. lake. <sighs> Dude's been drinking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like no, I'm sure he's been drinking. And also, like, lakes get super fucking foggy at night. So, like, dude's oh, yeah. been drinking, riding a motorcycle in the fog. Like Doubt he was wearing a helmet because he doesn't seem like too bright of a dude. So It's 1934. They hadn't even invented seatbelts yet. So, mm. yeah. Well, yeah. Chelsea, you want to tell us about um, the OG photo? <laughs> the most well-known one that I love. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're still in 1934, and in April, um, an English physician, Dr. Robert Kenneth Wilson, don't actually know if he had, to, had his PhD, doubt it, uh, gets the <laughs> probably the photo that you think of most when you think of Nessie. And that was also printed in the Daily Mail. You see yes, a you running theme here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this one is uh, also called the surgeon's photograph. So this was one of four photos taken in the moment when Wilson saw uh, the creature. And I have questions about these logistics, but that's, we'll get back to that. Um, So two were exposed correctly and another was too blurry, but the camera worked on the fourth one, which again, 
questions about the logistics. Um, and that was the most famous photo of the creature that we still see today. So um, I don't think burst photography existed at this time. Did he have like four cameras set up? I'm a little... No, I mean, he just had a film camera. You can take photos pretty okay. fast, but... In 1934? Really yeah. I also doubt that he changed the exposure over the course of three photos. It's not a digital camera. You're not like looking like, oh no, and then going to take mm-hmm. another one. So that's kind of weird. But I guess if you're like fumbling with it, you might accidentally get the perfect exposure accidentally. <laughs> the wind was just right. He sneezed and looked up into the sun. A bird flew overhead. The moon and was Nessie full. Did. And Nessie went <laughs> and appeared. You get this photo. This does look like a cat tail <laughs> sticking out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like many things sticking out of the water. It does look like many things sticking out of the water. Uh, but whatever it was, this was a win for the Daily Mail. Uh, they were still trying to distance themselves from the very, very recent hoax hippo print. Uh, yeah. So they were trying to just get a win off and they got a win for quite a while. So we'll circle back around to that as well here in a minute, because first, Maybe cork board this pins. causes a huge stir so then we get to, from 1934 to 1938, tons of tourism. Nessie is selling out tickets worldwide, right? Everyone wants to come see this famous lake monster because no one else has a lake monster. Nobody has crocodiles or alligators or giant hippos. You can't go anywhere and see something this big at all in the world. Anyway, we get to 1938. So one of the things that's happened is that the, like the general population of the area, they have decided that they just wholeheartedly believe in Nessie. Everyone believes in Nessie. It's real. If you live over there, it's real, especially the police. And they felt that it was their job in a lot of ways to protect Nessie, as did all of the surrounding locals, That's right? That's nice. I guess. It is. But kind of getting into that, it led two men to the lake to find and kill Nessie, uh, except for when they were told they can't kill Nessie. And they were like, no, we're not going to kill Nessie. Uh, but either way, what their plan, uh, Peter Kent and Marion Sterling, what their plan was, was they brought a large harpoon that they built and they were going to capture Nessie alive after they said that they weren't like after they were like, you're not allowed to kill it. And they were like, OK, fine. They're like, we're going to bring back 20 guys and we're going to capture it with this large harpoon. Like it's probably going to be alive. The moment it gets hit with the harpoon might be dead afterwards. Uh, The police tried to be like, please do not come back. You're not welcome here. Go away. But the chief constable at the time, William Frazier, he said, quoted that there is some strange creature in Loch Ness seems now beyond doubt, but that the police have any power to protect it is very doubtful. They were really worried because these guys were going to bring an entire gang of men. They were not equipped to handle like 20 people on a, whole rampage trying to catch this monster uh but world war ii stopped them so these men never actually got their chance to try their giant harpoon gun um because world war ii took over the entire area so from about 1938 to 1945 not a lot of civilians got to look at nessie not a lot of civilians were allowed in the area and it at one point was under occupation by the british navy this is where it gets more weird uh, i told the story earlier and i just love this this is this is a wonderful thing that i found out today so there's a lot of there's a lot of supposedly here so just know that once once the british navy took over the lake uh there were more sightings a lot of the captains said that they saw creatures one of the best documented sightings was a creature that was about 20 to 30 feet long and it had 
a neck that went out above the water. And they said it was about four feet outside the water. The neck was. So these are people who are trained to look for boats. They're looking for anything to try and make sure they don't lose this area during the war. So they were looking around. They were seeing things. Now, this then goes further into some responses by the Nazis themselves, specifically Joseph Goebbels, who, yeah, uh yeah, fuck you, Goebbels. Um, (laughs) He wrote an entire article about the Loch Ness monster that was basically just a hit piece on Nessie, who did absolutely nothing during those war. Uh, But what he pretty much wrote was that the monster is not real. And he even said specifically, if you are dumb enough to believe in the monster, then there's no way you're winning this war. So... He truly, truly did not want to accept that the monster was real. However, we're talking about the same people that we say as canon tried to aim missiles at the sky because they thought they were going to hit countries on the other side of the hollow earth. (laughs) So let's not talk about who's smarter than the others because definitely was not the Nazis. This led to further madness because Mussolini couldn't keep his nose out of things. So he then published an article after reading Joseph's article that said that the monster was real, but that the Italians accidentally killed it in a bombing run. He claimed that an Italian pilot flew over, bombed the lake, and then watched as the monster's body floated to the top just as he flew away. So, yep, (laughs) Nessie was killed by the Italians. But wait, there's more after the war. Daily Mail comes in with the saving grace. Daily Mail they say, for the win. <laughs> they say that Nessie actually survived and that Nessie, she, she, she. was a war hero at the end of the day because Nessie, <laughs> Nessie survived a bombing attack. And I want to say the Daily Mail did not say that the Italians didn't bomb the lake. The Daily Mail said, sure, they did. They <laughs> just <she> missed. <laughs> by the way the british claim that that never happened nobody ever bombed the lake they were there the entire time and they say they have no reports of anyone bombing the lake so it's like a facebook argument i know i don't even i don't even know what to do like daily mail didn't even ask the british like did you get bombed no they're just like yes he's a war hero so (laughs) that's absolutely the best response follow-up question did they try to award nessie a medal no, I didn't see anything about that because I'm pretty sure it was just the Daily Mail that was like, we need a war hero water monster. Uh, but this circles us all the way back around to the things that we told you we would look at again, which is the photo that started all of this madness, like absolute madness. Uh, in 1994, while people were looking for proof of Nessie, they found otherwise. They found that the photo was completely hoaxed. It was a toy boat with a molded dinosaur head slash neck on the top of it. Um, it would float in the water for anyone wondering how it works. It was just heavy enough to where the boat would sit underneath the water and the little hump and the neck would sit up above, which is how you get the photo. Now, this was confirmed by the stepbrother of Ian Weatherall, who is the son of Marmaduke Weatherall, our main hoaxer with the hippo prince. Uh, But Christian Sperling is the stepbrother of Ian Weatherall. And he was the only one still alive. And it was there. So there were technically five people involved. There was Christian Sperling. There was Ian Weatherall. There was Marmaduke Weatherall. There was a friend of theirs. And then there was uh, Kenneth Wilson, the surgeon, right? Kenneth Wilson, he just kind of helped out for fun. Really, that's all it was. What this was supposed to be was Marmaduke Weatherall 
wanted to get back at the Daily Mail. So he commissioned this toy model from his son, who was known all around the local area, apparently, for making all kinds of models. So he wanted to get back at the Daily Mail. So he had this commissioned. He had someone else take the photo and submit the photo because he knew Daily Mail would never accept anything from him again. So he wasn't able to actually submit anything to them, which is why there's so much work around here. Uh, however, it got a little out of hand and he wasn't expecting the hoax to blow up the way it did. And he kind of got scared and ran. Uh, he just chose not to tell anyone it was a hoax instead, as did everyone else, because everyone was really worried about the possible outcome or repercussions of that. And he didn't want to deal with all that again. Like he already dealt with the hippo thing. So nobody knew until Christian Sperling, who happened to be alive still in 1994, told them everything. And the one thing that's like a deathbed confession. It wasn't deathbed. No, they just found him. He was, he was chill. Uh, yeah, I did. I did read a few places that it was like not long before his death. Yeah, no, it wasn't long, but he was he just was willing to fess up because he said it wasn't going to hurt anyone anymore because there was nothing left to lose. But the real reason why they even questioned him in the first place is because they found a letter from Ian Weatherall that talked about the photo with the shoreline in the background. Now, the most famous version of the photo, there's no shoreline in the background. And that's because that was that version was only printed once. And then the Daily Mail cropped the photo to make the monster look bigger. Because if you see the shoreline, it looks like a tiny toy. It doesn't really look like a monster. So the Daily Mail is not innocent in this either. They also cropped out the photo to make it look Daily like a Mail. monster. Yeah. I am shocked that they would do anything nefarious. Yeah. Shook it. Amazing incredible that they would do that um so yeah so this whole thing was a giant hoax on the daily mail but it led to all kinds of things including two men coming down to the shore with a harpoon gun saying that they are going to kill skewer <laughs> bombing shish kebab the monster whatever you want to call it really but that's like the whole story of the photo let's talk about nessie the sequel otherwise known as son of nessie right because that's what you got to title the sequel uh, this happened in 1972. So before they knew that the photo was a fake, dropping back to 1972, uh, this would be, what, 22 years before that? Wow, they still had two decades of thinking that photo was real. There is a group of researchers that came down to the lock from Flamingo Park Zoo, and they were testing hormone sex fates <laughs> to try and lure in Nessie, as that you is, do. Uh, that is also my new band name. <laughs> hormone sex fate. They happened to see their own version of the creature. So basically what happened here is they were at the hotel one morning and they get a call that says that there is a creature bobbing up and down in the lake. And there's apparently someone who's seeing it. So they go look out their window and they see it out there. It's like some 18 foot long creature anywhere from 12 to 18 feet. And they were like, oh my God, it's like this rounded creature, right? Uh, they quickly Wait, go. I have a question. Yep. This hotel was by Loch Ness. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, so, and it just so happened to be outside their window. Okay. And this happened to be the thing they were looking for. Oh. Uh, yep. So lots of, <laughs> lots of this ju just so happened. And this story is true, by the way, there is no okay. like supposedly thing but here. But this, this thing was dead, but they were there trying to get it to come out of hiding with so hormone, pheromones situation. Well, they didn't know it was dead when they first went to the lock, right? They weren't expecting to just find the creature on the lake. They were going to try and lure it in. Instead, they find this big dead one uh, <laughs> and it's just bobbing up and down. They quickly, I, I want to bring this up. They are English. Okay. They're not Scottish. This is going to be important here in a minute because as we've talked about, they go, they pluck the thing out of the lake. 
This thing is greenish in a way. Uh, it's got like a greenish hue to it. It has very pronounced cheeks and uh, it has a hairless head. So it looks really weird and like a pronounced like snout too. So like, it's a very, very weird creature. They snatch it up, they get out of the lake and they immediately try and take it back to go research it in England. Now, as we've talked about before, this is a problem because there is a law against taking anything out of Loch Ness that is unidentified. This is definitely unidentified. So they broke that law. And not only that, we now have English researchers who don't really get along with, with the Scottish at the time, especially. Uh, they are now researching a Scottish mascot, possibly. So that's an issue. That's kind of a big one. So Scotland was mad and they end up citing the law they cite that they broke the law. They take the whole team of researchers and then get the animal back and then they let them go. But it's like this whole debacle. And then they finally get the animal and then it's under Scottish research. Now, as Scotland is looking over it, they realize that this is definitely a weird, like deformed creature, but they basically come to the conclusion as is eventually confirmed, like immediately that it is a dead elephant seal which are not native to this area and they exist thousands of miles away. So they're not even close. There shouldn't be one here. So now they're confused. And also there are signs that it is frozen. So that's weird, right? Well, then we have John Shields, good old John Shields, who was an education officer at the same zoo, Flamingo Park Zoo, as the team of researchers, as it turns out, but he was not part of the hormone sex bait research group, right? <laughs> he found out about their little trip, apparently, and he fessed up to all of this. And he decided he was going to prank them because they happened to be there the day before April 1st. So he took the recently dead elephant seal they had at the zoo. He shaved its head like a psychopath. He then filled its mouth with rocks so that its cheeks popped out and then froze it so it would deform that way. Like a psychopath. Yeah, this guy definitely kills people. And then he brought it to the lock. This is what gets me. He told no one he was going. He brought it to the lock. He threw it in the water that morning, hoping that he would hit just enough the right time to where the police could come. And then the newspapers would report it the next day, which was April 1st, perfect April Fool's Day prank. And then he called in the witness report himself to make sure no one missed it. When he was asked about the green hue, he said that's the only thing he wasn't sure about. It wasn't green when he threw it in. So it turned green. They think maybe it was algae or who knows. It was rotting and probably de-icing. So Lord knows what kind of fluids were coming out of it. But like, yeah. Um, Anyway, this was the largest April Fool's prank I've ever heard of in my life. What in the actual fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And it had been reported all over that it was the son of Nessie and like all these different things. And people were like, oh, my God, we finally got like a carcass. And now it's just some psychopath who shaved a dead elephant seal's head. Also, do elephant seals have like full heads of hair? (laughs) It's not like a full head of hair, but like they do have fur. So I'd imagine it's a little bit weird to see one without it. And they have those weird little snouts. Yeah. So so if they're covered in fur, he just shaved its head. Yep. But none of the rest of it. Nope. Just the head. Yep. He wanted to distort its appearance. So it just shaved the head. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. 
I don't know whether to respect John Shields or <laughs> no. like, chalk him up as one of the biggest He's psychopaths I've ever seen. He definitely kills life. people and got away with it. Like, if you ever yeah. need to figure out an unsolved murder in Scotland, this guy did it. Well, and that's the thing is like this. Oh, was- no, he's British. This was pulled off. Yeah, this was pulled off so successfully. And he kept it a secret that he was going to the lock. He managed to sneak an elephant seal's body out by himself. Wild. Absolutely wild. Anyway, this was huge because it destroyed like it was only like a day or so. Like It wasn't very long, but like, yeah, it went too far. He said it went too far. He said he apologized for it. thanks. Thanks. After you. After you just desecrated a body and then just threw it into a lake. Yeah. I don't know. I don't Get know this to, guy I don't know a Darwin Award. Like, holy shit. Yeah. It's it's a lot to, to freeze a 12 to 18 foot animal and carry it in 1972, bring it to a lake. It's a lot. And also it caused even more tension between Scotland and England, because then you have England. that's just stealing an animal from their lake. And then it turns out it's not even their animal. It's actually the English animal because it's from their zoo. So it's just a whole confusing set of events, but it's very important because it should have been big evidence. And instead it turned out to be nothing. What a weird coincidence that was. Let's talk about sonar. There's these two dudes, right? Uh, one's called Doc Edgerton. The other one is Robert Rhines. So 1972 until whenever they stopped. Edgerton, who is from MIT education, (laughs) um, is an esteemed researcher, scientist, and of course, a cryptozoologist, which, you know, kind of happened later in his life. But, you know, it's still a credit he deserves. Yeah. He joined the search for Nessie in the 70s with his friend Robert Grimes and used the advancements in sonar, which I don't know how great that was, but uh, some of this technology was actually patented patented by him and Rhines. And they were hoping to use this to research this monster. So Rhines, Robert Rhines, his belief came from his own possible sighting in 1972, just a few years earlier. And he said it looked like an upturned boat in the lake and then it disappeared. Yeah. One of my one of my favorite parts about all this, so this starts because Robert Rhines sees this with his wife, right? With his second wife is what it's oh. noted specifically. <laughs> uh, it's always, I don't know why it's noted that specifically. But anyway, this happens. So he sees it, he says it bobs up and down and then it kind of like disappears. And that could be a lot of things, right? But he then calls Edgerton because Edgerton is a master of like cameras in 1972, right? Which is still very much developing technology at the time. And Edgerton had a system for motion sensing cameras. So he calls him and he's like, can you help me with this? And Edgerton's response is my favorite thing ever, because he said, I don't know if I necessarily believed in it, but you know, why not? (laughs) He was like, you have a huge opportunity here. So I said, yes. And then he just became just as obsessed with it. It seems like. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. I respect that. I know. It's a good friend, too. It's a good friend. When you call up your friend, you're like, I think I just saw a water beast. And they're like, well, we better do something about that. Yeah. These are both respected MIT professors, by the way. Oh, professors. Yeah. Oh, Oh, no. They taught at multiple places, including MIT. They are both esteemed. And uh, Ryan's graduated top of his class in MIT. Okay. Anybody who is esteemed in science field is like one concussion away from shit like this. Like, yes, that see, is a fine, fine line. See our Nobel disease yeah. episode. <laughs> Nobel disease all over again. That's fair. No, it's Ooh. absolutely fair. Yeah. As we as we got a comment from one of our listeners, um, whack ass white dudes. Yeah, is what they all are. <laughs> they just described academia. 
Thank you, dear <laughs> listener. Thank you. Yeah. So when they first started their research, you know, as you said, they both just kind of accepted a belief in this monster that it was still alive. And then they caught, which we'll put in the newsletter, probably, I guess, a pretty convincing photo of the creature. Yeah. Okay. Can we talk about this convincing photo for a second? Yeah. Sure. Looks like one of those ultrasounds where people are like, oh my God, you can <laughs> see its little feetsies and look at how cute it is. And it like looks like a smudge of condiment that fell off of your <laughs> fucking sandwich. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, okay. Chelsea's Good not job. a believer. As much as I'm for the condiment off of a sandwich, this was underwater with a motion sensing camera. So still looks like a gross ass ultrasound. <laughs> What they're saying is that to the left of this photo, and you'll see it in the newsletter, uh, there are some legs and a big bulbous body, right? Kind of like a turnip. Um, and then there is a neck that extends to the right outside of the turnip. And then kind of disappears turnip. in the middle and then supposedly a head. Well, and yeah, you can kind of see. So it's hard to say, like, is your is your dumb human brain forming this middle section with all the static, because that could be a thing. And if you cover both sides with your fingers, there's nothing in between, but it doesn't look like that when you don't do that. So it's really hard to say. What I will say is we talk about on the show all the time, no good evidence and always like potato cameras. This was an underwater 1972 camera. So I expect potato camera, but underwater 1972 it is camera. one of the best photos of something that you can't prove is real that I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's all I have to say about it. I think it's pretty decent. Shockingly also how I feel about fetuses. So in conclusion, Nessie's a big fetus. Possibly. Underwater fetus. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> with <laughs> I can't get a read on what this photo is actually from. They were, they, so Ryan specifically was a master of sonar. Edgerton was a master of like cameras and trying to develop new technologies with them. They both held patents, like we said, in multiple areas of that. Now, what I thought they said on Monster Quest, which we'll talk about here in a minute, is that this was a sonar photo, which if it's a sonar photo, I'm even more confused at what it is because those are usually pretty precise in what they're seeing. So it's a little weird, but from what I read afterwards, it says that this was a flash in a camera that they weren't around. They set up a motion capture camera, like an early days motion capture camera. And that's what they caught. So I read what? multiple accounts. I don't know which one is true. Okay. If anyone knows. If this, so this is an underwater photo though. Yes. And if it were a motion, a motion activated camera underwater in a lake, that is just like the biggest part of a series of rivers. Mm-hmm. Like it has a measurable current. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it's really so... dirty. So I'm sure there's just stuff floating past it at all well, times. And once they said that, that's what I was thinking, because what this kind of looks like is a dirt cloud. <laughs> or a rock or a log. But regardless of that, it is still the best photo of Nessie that we have. I will say that, like if, if nothing else. And they got it within three years of starting to look for the creature. So it took them only three years to get better evidence than anyone else has ever gotten. And they don't really get better evidence than that. But let's talk about that more because Edgerton passes away in 1990, but Robert Ryan's keeps looking. And he is, I don't know if he's like the first, but he's definitely one of the biggest believers, basically that Nessie was alive, but she is now dead and died sometime after getting this photo in 1975. Yep. Um, it seems like they kind of come to that belief based on the fact that there's kind of like a huge hole in Nessie sightings starting in like probably the 80s and on to now where it seems like she's 
either gone or <laughs> easier to disprove. Yeah. So now this Ryan's guy just kind of searches where the carcass is and is pretty much entirely hopeful that he's going to find a dead Nessie, which is what he does when he goes on Monster Quest, which we yeah. did watch. Um, oh, Monster Quest. Oh, I love Monster Quest. So cheesy. <laughs> Super cheese, $5 CGI. There's no better show. It's wonderful. Yeah. So he goes on there and he's looking for the dead Nessie and they, uh, spoiler alert, find a lot of clay. <laughs> they scoop up a bunch of clay and they're like, wow, that's, that's spongy. That's like, it's like biological and texture. And then they take it to a scientist and he's like, yep, that's clay. Yeah. And then they take the more samples and he's sifting around with a pen in it. He's like, this is all clay. Yeah. They take it to Adrian <laughs> Shine, who we'll talk about here in a minute, but, and he is a very, very good scientist. He's good at what he does um but yeah he like pulls it out there's like this whole part where they're like it's fleshy like it feels fleshy and robert ryan's is very much an old man who i think he passed away like the same year that monster quest episode was released oh. so he was a very old man very much like at the end of everything trying to find some kind of proof after he got that photo and he's like it feels like flesh no it's just clay it's just that's all they ever got was clay so mm-hmm. yeah unfortunately uh spoiler alert for every monster quest episode they're all worth watching because they're all wonderful they never okay. find the monster so <laughs> quest is futile because yeah anyway to the 80s which is kind of a big jump because this is 1987 obviously there's been lots of sonar research in between all of these years because that seems to be the big new thing where they take a bunch of boats out and they're like let's look at sonar and you can't fucking see anything in the lake with your own eyeballs. So um, yeah, that happens a lot. We're going to skip all of it except for Operation Deep Scan as if they couldn't be any more clear what they were doing with this project. Um, They actually deployed 24 boats across the lock Mm -hmm. and used acoustic waves. Their photos seemed to show large debris at the bottom of the lake, but there were three images that showed motion uh, I supposedly and then Adrian Shine also known as the scientist with the best beard in the whole world he does have a magical he's a great beard. he's one of those that has like a great beard and a great mustache yeah mm-hmm. like he twirls the edges of the mustache and a good beard it's incredible honestly that's how you know he knows his shit mm-hmm. um, but anyway he said based on the size and the photos they might be seals and then <laughs> <laughs> sonar expert which I would love to have that title it's just sonar expert yes Daryl Lawrence said there was something huge moving at a depth of 180 meters, which is, for all us Americans, 590 feet. Um, And then I have a quote from him where he said, there's something here that we don't understand, and there's something here that's larger than a fish. Maybe some species that hasn't been detected before. I don't know. Thanks. Yeah. That's a pretty concise story of Operation Deep Scan. Yeah. A fun thing, too, um, with all of these different (laughs) uh, scans of the lake, one of the thing that they one thing that they did find, I don't know if it was that scan or which scan found it, but um, there's a picture down towards the bottom of our outline where photo three is uh, from an old Sherlock Holmes thing, uh, which has got one of the ugliest versions of the Loch Ness Monster I've ever seen in my life. Uh, But it's from a show or a movie or something. And one of those scans actually found the prop because they lost it in the lake. So... (laughs) it's oh still God, at the what? bottom of the lake yeah so this ugly thing I didn't know that. yeah this ugly creature that thing's still sitting in the lake yeah 
I mean, finding the exact shape that you've been looking for and pulling up and finding that. Wait, which photo is it? It's oh, it's okay. Photo three. I got it. Yeah, <laughs> yep. It's the oh. ugliest, ugliest version of this creature. That's fucking majestic. <laughs> well, it's majestically still at the bottom of the lake. So. <laughs> maybe, maybe Lagna's monster just left after that fell down there. Maybe it was like it was so offended. It was like I'm done. I'm absolutely done. Um, yeah, he so popped into the underground cave network and hung out with Bigfoot and yeah, there you go. all the others. Yeah, yeah. well, Bigfoot probably yeah. rides like us through yeah. the tunnels because it's like quicker transportation. Oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, they have a well, nice deal worked out. Yeah, Pope has to jump on every now and then. Mm-hmm. A couple waterways and Pope's tunnels. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's Operation Deep Scan. Let's talk about locking down that DNA proof. 2019. Like 30 years later. 30 years later, things happen. Monster Quest happens. Nothing else really happens. There's still sightings. There are consistently sightings. If we play sightings, like every single one into this episode, it's a lot. It's just a lot of people that are like, I saw something. There's a comprehensive list and reporting form that we can put in the newsletter. If you happen to have a sighting, you need to report. Oh, that's fair. Perfect. I'll put a link. Don't worry. Yep. I just volunteered content for you. Thank you. Let's talk about one of the weirdest kind of sightings here, because this is a sighting, but for science, (laughs) Uh, it's a very scientific sighting is what it is. Uh, So is it a sighting or is it just research? See, I'm considering this exciting. It was exciting. Uh, I'm considering this kind of a sighting, but it's more in like a scientific way. Just like we could call a sonar like image, a sighting of it, even though you're not actually seeing anything. Uh, That's kind of what this is, too. But this is for DNA. So they tested a bunch of samples of the lake. They just scooped a bunch of water out and tested it, which scientists you know uh science the biggest reason why they did this was not for nessie they said they didn't do it for nessie at all it's just kind of part of the outcome for this whole project they did it because they wanted to see what kind of life was in the lake that they may not be noticing or how much of it is still in the lake they do this all over um this is not like a rare thing but professor neil gemmel who is a geneticist from new zealand's university um of otago he said after they tested all of the dna from the lake finding pretty much every type of creature that's going to be in there his he's quoted as saying sorry i don't think the plesiosaur idea holds up based on the data that we've obtained this is because they weren't even though they weren't looking for nessie specifically they are looking for DNA, which includes things like prehistoric creatures. Like if there's a crocodile in there, they're going to find out about it. If there is a Greenland shark, for instance, they are going to find out about it. Um, they had a ton of DNA that they found, but none of it showed anything that's like crazy big. Minus one thing. Eels. Eels. They said that there are some big possibly big eels in the lake what they do know for sure is there's a lot of eels in the lake like a lot of eels they said they found more eel like dna for eels than anything else in there so definitely eels in there uh quoted as saying our data doesn't reveal their size but the sheer quantity of the material says that we can't discount the possibility that there may be giant eels in loch ness Therefore, we can't discount the possibility that what people see and believe is the Loch Ness Monster might be a giant eel. And that's it. 
that's basically their argument. It's kind of their, I mean, that's kind of like their full argument. So, I mean, just so people know, these eels on average can get up to about 3.2 feet long. Um, so they can get pretty long, but so th- saying that there's a giant version of one is honestly not that crazy because really to get up to nine feet, you'd only need one that's like three times its normal size, like the average size, at least just not really that big. Um, and a nine foot big. eel on t- I'm saying not that big for, <laughs> for their average size, but a nine foot eel skimming the top of the water. Ugh. That would be a little creepy. I'm never going to that lake ever. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's not that crazy. Also, also it wouldn't be that crazy because mutations happen all the time. And all you need is one because these things can live for about 70 years at the top of their lifespan. So easy, easy possibility that there was one in 1933 and then it lived until around the nineties or early two thousands and died. Hmm. That's a very high probability. Like it could have happened. So you're an eel believer. No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> what I'm saying is it's not think, outside the realm of possibility. I think it's unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry. That works better on paper. I don't think that was worth <laughs> the comment. Not a, it's staying in the episode, but it wasn't. Yes. Unbelievable. <laughs> That is the scientific possibility is that they are seeing something. They're not completely discounting the sightings, but what they're seeing is a giant eel. And this like blew up in 2019. Like this entire study where like, if you look up, if you Google Loch Ness monster theories, you just get like three pages of articles about the Loch Ness monster might be an eel. Yeah. And it's not great for this podcast. Like I don't give a shit about real stuff. I'm looking for the good (laughs) stuff. Why is is Nessie an alien or not? <laughs> That's what I want to know. Listen, just because an eel doesn't make it not an alien. All right. Mm-hmm. I mean, she could be an alien's pet. I think that's on our list. Yes. Yeah. Fair. We'll get there. Uh, but yeah. So <laughs> is it a nine foot like mutant eel? Possibly. Uh, that, that's not as friendly. And I really hope not. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just going to say no. I don't like that. I don't like it. I have a feeling it's a possibility. <laughs> anyway. Come on. Mine wasn't any worse than that. <laughs> yeah. I think Chelsea's better. <laughs> I'll put up a poll. <laughs> What's the better eel pun? All right. Well, let's go into theories. And plesiosaur, tell me about the first one. <laughs> so a plesiosaur. Uh, so this is the main imagery that we see that seems to have been pulled into the Nessie mythology and imagery. So kind of that like long neck, little head. Big flippers, like looks like a dinosaur body. dolphin situation. Just a giraffe um, with fins, really. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so the idea is that she is the last dinosaur and she just kind of got caught in there when sea levels lowered. Sad. Um, and that's apparently how the lock was formed. Um, and yeah. we don't know how long dinosaurs can live. So you never know. That is fair. She could be a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's still going. Mm-hmm. One thing about the lock that is argued is how it was formed. Uh, some people say that there's definite evidence based on uh, shells and fossils that they found at the bottom that it definitely connected to the sea at some point in time. Uh, and there's a possibility that that some point in time was not technically that long ago based on like prehistoric records, which were not written that well, if you ask me. But like you could have kept a little better track make a couple more folders on the desktop if you know what i'm saying but anyway it's also possibly the ghost of a dinosaur 
So this is one of my favorite things that I've heard. Uh, this is true conspiracy theory that it is possibly the ghost of a dinosaur. We will talk about some of the reasons why here in a minute uh, going into such an interesting man. Um, but this tweet, I was going to read a tweet by Kevin Vibert. I don't know who that is, but he's a guy that tweeted this. Just heard a conspiracy theory that the Loch Ness Monster is actually the ghost of an ancient dinosaur. And since it affects nothing and nobody, I've decided to believe it as a treat for me. And I am 100% for it. I think it's I a good little treat. I support this. Yeah. yeah. Have a, have, give yourself a little treat every now and then. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt anything. You, you can go visit the lake and be like, there's a ghost of a dinosaur out there. <laughs> and then go home happy. That's, yeah. Living life. Yeah. So there's a possibility that it's a giant eel. We said that already. In case you weren't listening for like 15 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But aside from, you know, other regular, like a regular eel, it could be any number of other regular fish that people have theorized like a sturgeon, which are those things like with the long noses. And so I guess could potentially work if it poked his nose out at the right angle. There's also a theory that it's a catfish because uh, catfish can get monstrously huge. And we know that. Do they live in the lock? No. Okay. And neither do sturgeons. <laughs> well, that's And neither do Greenland sharks, which is another theory because it's been documented that Greenland sharks can basically live for fucking ever. So. Yeah. Possibly 500 to 600 years. It's large. Yeah. But I mean, I guess there was no DNA found in there and those theories are boring. So I'm moving on. Yeah. No, there's no DNA <laughs> of any of those creatures in there that they found. So. What about elephants? There's no DNA of those either. <laughs> what? Oh man. If I had been on that research team, I'd have just thrown some DNA from an elephant into one of those little gloops. Sabotage. Of yeah. That doesn't sound very sciencey. Apparently, fairs and circuses were common in this area, so yeah. especially in the 1930s. So I guess one person's idea was maybe it's a swimming elephant with his trunk sticking out like a little like a little messy head. Can you really can you imagine? Just I don't imagine, know how many like, times there's ever been elephants swimming in the lock. Just but. imagine you own a traveling circus. You drive the new road at Loch Ness because you want to see the lake and you're towing behind your elephants you get to wherever you're going way far away and you're like oh my god i have dropped one of my elephants turns out it's in the lake your elephant is in the lake terrorizing people as a water beast and now you have to go get that in secret uh, i can't even count the amount of times i've dropped an elephant and not noticed <laughs> the daily occurrence just whoop, whoop, there you went right in the lock <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it could be an elephant, though, for one reason, which is that, again, this thing makes no sound. I don't know. This photo evidence that I have here, you'll see in the newsletter, <laughs> tells me otherwise. Yeah. Also that. <laughs> um, yeah. So people were basically like, oh, so when the circus comes to town, they're like, let's give the elephants a break and let them swim in the lock and then leave, I guess. I'm sorry. His tusks look like little arms. <laughs> just like little, Again, stubby like little like gecko really arms or salamander, whatever the fuck oh lizard it was. Just speaking of stubby arms otters so this is an otter theory that that's it there's just the theory is that it's otters an otter train multiple otters toot, toot. you know because if you look at all the photos where there's multiple like humps mm. in the waters it's like four otters just having a good time that's the theory <laughs> um this next one cracks me the fuck up you'd think it's boring <laughs> it's boring as hell you know, it it's, might be a fallen branch or like a tree, right? That's fallen into the lake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really help that there's been a lot of videos people have taken that are just proven to be a huge 
piece of wood that's floating in the lake and they're like holy shit what is that it's wood however somebody tried to explain this i think more intricately than was needed (laughs) and they claim that a, a, a great theory for how a whole tree can look like it's moving in the water is quote gas pressure would eventually rupture a resin seal at one end of the log propelling <laughs> it through the water free farts oh my god <laughs> why i mean there's a there's a slight current i mean you don't need anything to propel the log for it to move i don't understand why they had to explain it this way so things like this do happen well yeah sure i mean it's the trees decaying or whatever and gas builds up fine <laughs> and like i <laughs> i put in here uh there's also vegetation putrefaction i know that's not a word and i don't care it sounds better than putrefaction <laughs> i thought you said so, vegetation purification in the outline at no, first so. vegetation putrefaction all right hear me out now what happens is, is vegetation can get tangled up and it can sink into the lock uh, before releasing a ton of built up gas once it's sitting down there. This then thrusts it up towards the top of the lake and it causes it to just kind of like shimmy on the lake for like, it can be like half an hour apparently. It can just hmm. shimmy. So, uh, so this maybe is- that's what that one guy saw from the beginning where he was like, it was like, what he didn't use shimmying. What was, what was the phrase that he used? Hold on. The you guys remember this? I've already repressed it, so. Um, wriggling and churning up the water. It, it was a tree. <laughs> well, so there were <laughs> actually a couple of sightings in 1993 that were confirmed to be vegetation. Well, yeah, that's what Because they found them. Uh, this is something, though, that does actually happen. This is not just a theory theory. Like, this is a real thing that does happen, and it happens in lakes all over the world. So it is something that is something you could see anywhere, honestly. Um, so high probability that this is what it is. And one person brought up this as a possibility because it seems weird that a monster that just needs to go up to the surface to breathe for a minute would stay up there for like 30 minutes thrashing around on the top. Doesn't really seem like something it would need. Anyway, an abnormally large funeral. Okay, an abnormally large wake, not a funeral with swimmers. Cam. (laughs) So the lock is bordered by really high hills on all sides. And so the wind kind of like comes down and swoops at the water and basically makes a big ass wake or wave. And it's just bigger than everything around it. So as that big swell of water is rolling, it kind of looks like maybe there's something under there. So it's a big wave. Yep. That's not exciting. Aliens. So there's a possibility (laughs) uh, that this is connected to aliens and that this is maybe an alien's pet that I guess it dropped and forgot about. Is that also what we're going? Is this like the elephant thing, but for an alien circus? I mean, there's a ton of UFO sightings in this area, as there is. And so maybe they just come to visit their pet because she got too big. What if alien, hear me out for a second, alien circuses, right? What if aliens, aliens abduct us to join their circus but they put you back because you're not talented enough. What? That's depressing. That's that is. Wouldn't it be though? I would be so sad if I found that out. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that this we don't have much here. It's an alien's pet. Yeah. All right. Hey, Allie, tell us about demons. Demons. Yes. Yay. Oh my god. This is my favorite story. Now, um, for anybody, the the few of you who have been here since the very beginning of this ridiculous podcast nearly two years ago, we had an episode about the men in black. And for some reason, we actually talked about this story back then. And we were like, you know, one day when we talk about the Loch Ness Monster, we'll circle back to this. Well, here we are. 
Two years later, we've circled back to it. Yeah, we deliver. We deliver. <laughs> so the Loch Ness Monster was created by Aleister Crowley. Yes, the occultist from the late 1800s. He owned a house, actually, briefly on the shores of the Loch Ness until about 1913. This house was known as the Bolskine, 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 I don't know, house. He allegedly holed himself up there for a while to conduct a lengthy six-month ritual to summon a number of demons, as you do when you're Aleister Crowley. Um, I'm not really sure why. I think it was something with trying to find his spirit guides, but, you know, because he's into the occult, he likes demons. All right, so from there, with his lengthy six-month ritual that he had holed himself up in this house to do, he allegedly left in the middle and had to go back to London for something, which I don't know why, if he was planning this for so long, he'd just be like, yeah, let me just leave. But he apparently had already summoned a bunch of demons and then didn't close the ritual by leaving early and didn't banish any of these said demons. And then Nessie. Nessie is one of the demons that Crowley did not banish before ending his little thing. So is there just like an open portal in the Bullskin house. I'm gonna say it like well, Bullskin. It burned down in 2019, so possibly. so not anymore. <laughs> and the eels were like, <laughs> "Fuck these demons! This is our lake." Um, but yeah, there is like a lot of. I mean, you could dig more into that story if you want to. The house is apparently haunted, and, you know, whatever evil and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. People died in there, mm-hmm. attacks, dead babies, the whole thing. Um, but Nessie was was born there, according to this this theory. Live birth? Is she a mammal or did, did she hatch out of an egg? Well, there is another theory that perhaps she is Cthulhu in the flesh. Again, did Cthulhu hatch out of an egg? I have questions. I well, Cthulhu I is a lot. she just slid out of a portal or if she blossomed in the lake. I don't know. Cthulhu is a lot more boring than we were promised because, mm. yeah. Maybe Cthulhu is just really chill. Maybe. We just built him up and he's nothing. Now, there's a part two to this. This is the part we mostly talked about in the Men in Black episode. Yep. So this guy named Donald Omond, he was a, quote, ambitious exorcist. And um, I found this nice quote that kind of sums up who this man was. Uh, he, in a colorful lifetime, exercised the Bermuda Triangle, the Black Dog of Kettleness, and Nessie. Don't think it worked, bud. And so here's a little snippet of the report of what this guy did on the lake. So, approaching the water's edge, Dr. Omen began to deliver the exorcism right in a low voice, which was often drowned by the slice and drag of the undertow, hauling at the pebbles. Basically, the lake's really loud. Um, he read a whole thing. I guess I'll read it. Should I read it? Well, yeah. Okay. Sure. Is he British? I'm not doing accents. Why? I don't know what he is. I don't remember. Well, is he British? We need to know. <laughs> Maybe. Or Scottish. Like. Okay, so what he, what he read to the lake to yeah. exercise, it goes like this. Grant that by the power entrusted to thy unworthy servant, this highland lock and the land adjoining it may be delivered from all evil spirits, all vain imaginations, projections and phantasms, and all deceits of the evil one. O Lord, subject them to thy servant's commands that at his bidding they will harm neither man nor beast, but depart to the place appointed them there to remain forever. And then he shook a bunch of holy water in the lake. And then he actually visited several other places on the lake, including he took a little boat out to the middle of the lake and some other point on the other side of the lake and exercised all of those points as well. Um, I don't know if it's just was making him feel better or if it actually accomplished anything. However, there was another guy. This is the one we talked about in the Mabies episode named Ted Holiday or William Holiday. Um, he claims to have encountered the men in black 
And apparently there are a lot of men in black sightings in this area and a lot of aliens and a lot of UFOs. So it begs the question, are the men in black researching Nessie too? Yeah. So I, I, we did finally circle back around to that um, little tidbit of a story and I love it very much. And I wonder if he actually accomplished anything with his little exorcism. So Chelsea, tell us. <laughs> oh, okay. So we've already what's about- happening. All right. Whale penises. This is an actual proposed theory with actual peer-reviewed academic writing about it. Uh, so, and I found it. Um, it is not behind a paywall. You're welcome, world. Um, so, in a 2005 article in the Archives of Natural History. Basically, the authors of this article conducted close readings of early accounts of sea serpents and similar aquatic critters, um, like Cthulhu. So, naturally, in the spring of 2021, um, a Twitter thread, which included a lot of pictures, um, took this to the uh, bored and partially quarantined masses. Um, And there is a screen grab of one of those side-by-side comparisons of a whale penis and the um, surgeon photo. So Snopes refuted the rumor that Nessie was a bale peen on the grounds that the surgeon's photo was already a confirmed hoax made from a toy toy boat and putty. And also whales don't live in Loch Ness either. Oh, we got through it. However, both the paper and Snopes conclude that the other early sightings of sea serpents could have been long dong silver. <laughs> did you write these or did you steal them? <laughs> oh, I wrote them. Oh my god. Oh my god. So uh the Snopes article also linked to a BBC Planet Earth video, and it was um it was a video of sperm whales like basically doing a whole mating dance, but it kind of looks like a mosh pit um <laughs> in water, and then like so I'm so sorry. Whale penises look a lot like like tentacles. And they're just kind of like flopping around and this, like, moshing. It's a lot. And it sounds a lot like what um, uh, an early writing about uh, sea serpents from a missionary sounded like. So that is a thing you can find on the internet. You know, that's I, Chelsea's believed theory. I don't know if I believe that that's what Nessie is, but you have changed my opinion on sea serpents. <laughs> it's alarming you should watch the video (laughs) i'm currently looking at photos and i don't need to see them moving i don't need to see 30 of these a second i'm good (laughs) yeah i was just like looking for any theories that you dudes missed and i was like sure whale penises why not and now like here we are i vote that's where we end because the next one is depressing we already mentioned it i mean yeah nessie probably existed in this no longer with us long live the queen so cam what do you think is the truth i think there is a lot happening i think that it might be an eel you said you but what do i actually actually think i think that it's not any one thing i think it is multiple things including rotting vegetation i think there's a good chance it's an eel at some point and i think there's also a very very good chance that a lot of the sightings are otters because a lot of the sightings are really small. You can't really see what it is from a distance and it's creating streaks in the water, which sounds like an otter. So I'm gonna stick with that. It's a multitude of things. Unfortunately, I don't think Nessie is real, but also as a treat for me, 
I'm going to believe it's the ghost of a dinosaur. And I'm going to stick with that too. Chelsea, what's your hot take? Uh, I think Nessie could have been real at some point, um, especially because she's an aquatic critter and they tend to be more um, cartilage structured, propped up by cartilage. (laughs) So they don't fossilize as well. There's a real word for that. So like, I think it's plausible that Nessie existed. I think that if she did, she's probably dead. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Cam and say like, please let there be a cute little cute little sea ghost of Nessie just like flippering around. Yeah. Well, I kind of agree with what Cam said, where it's kind of it, it's a lot of things. I think sightings have been going on for decades and decades, and if not hundreds, if not over a thousand years. Yeah. And I mean, the lake is literally huge. And you could see anything weird floating in there and so far away from you, you're never going to like know what it is. So I think it could be any number of things. And based on local folklore, they just had something to attribute the weird thing that's on the lake to sea monster. Mm -hmm. Um, However, what I choose to believe is different. What I choose to believe is that she's the ghost of a dinosaur that was accidentally summoned by Crowley. I like that idea, but who lived out her days on physical earth, avoiding hell and just being a nice little sea monster. I'm perfectly like accepting that. Yeah, so yeah she's like kind that. of like a ghost of a dinosaur. She was never really a demon. She just didn't want to be in hell anymore. So now she's running from all the demon overlords and humans alike. Yeah. She's just living so, her best life. Living her best life. Yeah. Here for it. That's it. Um, and then I did find this gem. If we could uh, end on it because Boris Johnson is quoted as saying that he, quote, yearns to believe, end quote, in Nessie. So, Oof. reputable quote from a reputable human. May- hey, maybe Aleister Crowley summoned him too. <laughs> Likely. Aleister Crowley would never summon something that stupid. Um, <laughs> now, oh, let us know what you think Nessie is. Uh, do you have you think, seen Nessie? Have you seen Nessie? So many people have, or so many people think that they have. Do have you, you have seen a... Nessie? Was did it look like an upturned boat? Was there a man screaming next to it? Uh, <laughs> was he saying "Save me"? But then he disappeared too. Um, whatever you saw. Do you have a houseboat? Can we stay on it and do our own Loch Ness monster research? Yes, please. Sounds like an adventure, honestly. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna bring all nine of us. So <laughs> that's a lot of people. Slumber party. Let's do it. Anyway. Um, you can find us on the social medias. Yep. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter. We've also got Goodreads if you want books that have to do with this. I'm sure this topic is going to be a lot of books because there are a lot of books and there are a lot of decades for people to write books about this. So I will do my best to find them, but there are also highlights. a lot of bad movies. So if you're oh, really, yeah. really into some bad movies, you have so many to choose from. And look at the newsletter and see if you want to watch that Sherlock Holmes one, because I do, because I'm really curious about it. <laughs> I just want to see when it comes out of the water. So, yeah. And also, if you like listening to this podcast without ads, awesome. Help us keep it that way and donate to our virtual tip jar. And then you can find all the links to all this great stuff that we just talked about in the show notes. So just scroll scroll down a little bit, click on all those links. This has been the Loch Ness Monster. Yep. It's been two years since we said we were going to do this, and here we are. I'm Allie. I'm Chelsea. Oh, sorry. Chelsea Monster. Chelsea Monster. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm Cameron. Remember to always stay stitious, and if you look out on the water, it's a tentacle, it's an eel, it's whale mating season. Ah!